Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. going on everybody welcome back to believe that spelling's b-l-e-a-v believe in lines right here on the believe podcasting network that's detroit's number one sports podcasting network this is a show we believe in the detroit lions by the end of this episode so will you we're going to talk about monday night football against the green bay packers everything that's going on with the lions lots to talk about here on the show lots to unpack and i got my guy jack jack cavanaugh on the show he's ready to bring it he's ready to talk some lions football Football and figure out what's going on with this team. Jack, how you doing this week? Oh, I'm pretty great as always. You know, it's week two of the NFL season in the books. It's week three on the horizon. It's just things are heating up. It's a good time of the year. Everything's still hopeful. Everything's still bright. And unfortunately, it's not too bright in my apartment right now. The lights are out, power's out in my town, but that's okay. <laughs> We're going to grind through it and just be happy that it's a good NFL season so far. We've been blessed with some quality primetime games. <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, you're, you're making it happen. We are bringing the show to the people out there here on the Believe Podcasting Network. And uh, yeah, man, we're, we're going to talk about this game that just went down. Lions had a great first half. Not so great. You could call it terrible second half. We talk about that. Uh, talk about some of the player usage, uh, quarterback, defense, things that are going on. But Jack, before we get into all that, man, I know we got a big docket. You're gonna you're gonna bring the heat today. You know we got to get BetOnline.ag in here, right? Oh, absolutely. We can't forget about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Everybody, take a quick listen and go visit our great sponsor. And we'll be right back. If you are into sports betting, bet online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win championships, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head over to BetOnline.ag and start playing today. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. In three, two, one. All right, everybody, we're back on the show, back on Believe in Lions here. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Mr. Jack Cavanaugh because. He, he, he's got some questions on his mind. He wants to kind of run the show today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him do so. I'm going to sit back here and answer what he asks, talk some Lions football, and enjoy the show. So, Jack, what do you got this week? Well, I mean, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. The Lions go into half, 17 to 14. They came out swinging. That first drive was beautiful. Quintez Cephas, absolutely uncoverable. Big throw on uh, an extended play from Jared Goff and then gets a touchdown as well. Second TD, it's a strike to TJ Hawkinson in the corner of the end zone. It was so fun to watch in the first half. And then it all came crumbling down in the second half. A lot of people were left feeling like it's the same old lines. They come out hot. They end cold. How do we feel about that? I know we don't like that term, same old lines, but it hurt me like a lot of Lions losses have in the past. 
<laughs> I was going to say, Jack, you're going to get me hot right off the bat using that SOL term. I've had absolutely enough of that with my football team. But, I, I mean, you're right. Like, I, I put out on Twitter, you guys can find me at Derek Okri. That's spelled D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Always talking Lions football, fantasy football. I put out at halftime, I'm like, I'm so proud of this team. That was a heck of a half of football. Yeah, the defense is still horrible. Yeah, they can't stop anything. But our offense was looking good. We took the lead. We didn't leave them any time. We kicked a nice long field goal by our new kicker. I was feeling so good, and I put out there as well. I said, all right, here's the game plan. Come out after the third quarter, maybe get a stop in those first couple drives. Heaven forbid, maybe we get a turnover or two. I mean, we haven't been able to find anything other than that Trey Flowers punch out in the last two years. It's been real hard getting turnovers or pressure on the quarterback. And I said, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, keep playing solid, good football. Jared Goff was looking great. And... There's just a few plays, which we'll get into later, that I feel like really took took the air out of it, that really cost the Lions, and they just didn't, you're not going to win if you don't put up any points in the second half. I mean, you, you weren't going to hold Green Bay to zero, and that's the only way you probably could have got the W with not putting up anything offensively, so lots to talk about when we get into the ball game, Jack. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there, and there's quite a bit to talk about right now because the Lions have been fielding trade offers for Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins, the big free agent signing by Bob Quinn. Matt Patricia had to be back with his boy, Jamie Collins, and then all he really did. He had one interception last year. That that was good, and he also had as many ref pushings as he did interceptions, and it wasn't a pretty season from Jamie Collins. So Lions are looking to get rid of him. And so they might take $3.2 million because that's what he's due this year. Any team taking him on would have to pay that amount, but maybe the Lions take some of it, keep it like the Texans did with Bradley Roby last year. And maybe that helps them get a higher draft pick. And maybe it helps get Jamie Collins off the roster, which I think are only good things because you've got to get Derek Barnes on the field. Oh, Jack, where, where, where do I go right here? First of all, have you ever heard the phrase addition by subtraction? I have, and I think it works beautifully here. <laughs> exactly. So I, I've been the prophet here uh, saying this since about two games in with Jamie Collins on the Detroit Lions. I was like, yeah, he can't play. And people were telling me, oh, he's an average linebacker and oh, he's athletic and oh, he, he made a few plays last year. Yeah, a few plays too few for what he made and what he's supposed to be on this football team. He was brought in for a different scheme. I've seen enough. He does not care enough to be on the football field for a head coach like Dan Campbell, Dan freaking Campbell. So let's no. Here's the thing. No one's going to trade for this guy. I don't know why this was all on all these outlets about, oh, that, that fielding phone call. What, what are we going to get for Jamie Collins? I'll answer that for you. Nothing. But what we are going to do is get rid of Jamie Collins. Uh, I would expect him probably to just be let go here before you know it. It's it's disappointing to have to deal with the money aspect and, and whatnot, but you just need to get this type of guy like this off your football team so that you can make Derek Barnes a leader. You can have Anzalone bring him along and show him what he needs to do to be that leader, that captain. Basically take the C off of Anzalone after this year and put it on his chest. So I'm all for it on so many levels. Let's get rid of Jamie Collins sooner than later, people. Please. Yeah, completely agree with all of that. Just if you can get something out of him, a sixth round pick, a seventh round pick even maybe, just do it because you need to take that next step in your franchise evolution. And unfortunately, he makes too much money to put him on the bench. So you're kind of caught in a bind here. He's better off your roster. Can't say the same about Afetu Melifonwu, the cornerback that they drafted this year. He has gone down with a quad injury, which is just a shame. He looked pretty impressive out there early on, at least for a later round rookie. Big, big dude. He played, he, like, he, he, how does a corner play eight, like inside linebacker? He was doing that in game one, only corner in game two, and now he's hurt. Bobby Price fills in mostly. Team signed Daryl Worley from the practice squad to fill in, but just another blow to this already kind of weakened secondary. 
Yeah, it's been real disconcerting to sort of see the rash of injuries. And, you know, as I've said, I just hate that it seems to happen every year. It's always a, either a position group or young rookies or whatever it may be that go down. So to have Mr. Okuda go down and now to have Ify go down and to know that we've got basically two undrafted guys already behind them and pretty much what I'm deeming now is an unproven guy in my guy A.O. on the other side who seems either disinterested in tackling or playing some odd I'll cover this random area of the field coverage which I ranted and raved about the last couple years why are we just guarding an area of grass how about guard the man that would be helpful um, on some of these plays so really looking rough for some of these corners and you know I felt if he played well but I mean, even that ball that hit his helmet on Monday night, he's in great coverage. You got to give him credit for that. I mean, we always say, oh, you got to turn and this, that. They said on the broadcast, like, hey, if you're in phase and you're where you're supposed to be and you get your head or hand or whatever on the football, that's a bonus. So I did like how he was playing. I just, I can't have another top rookie be out for extended amount of time or not get the snaps he needs. And then that hurts him in year two. We just can't have this. So. You know, that's the disappointing part. You know, I'm not hanging my hat on Bobby Price. I know Dan Campbell seemed to like what he did. You know who I may be hanging my hat on, though, is Daryl Worley. This was a guy that I really liked in the draft process. He's bounced around. He's had some issues both on and off the field, I believe. But I think he's a good quality corner. I thought this was a nice sneaky pickup. I love they elevated him so quickly. I want to see what he can do. I'm not saying this guy can be a stud for us, but I I think he could be a um, starting or a quality backup, um, you know, both this year and maybe moving forward. Like maybe he's a 3-4 type corner, you know, as if if he plays well and stays around. I I like this guy quite a bit. Yeah, personally, I'm not the biggest fan. I think he's one of those guys where you don't want him on the field. You want him on your bench, which is fine, but, I think with Bobby Price moving from safety to cornerback, he's a really good athlete. Runs a 4-4 at 6-3. Very impressive. That's kind of what I side with. I think, like we talked about in the preseason, it's you, you go with the young upside. That's always what I like to do. I know you're more of a steady veteran type of guy, so it'll be interesting no, to see no. how. No, I'm not. I'm no. a rookie guy, but what, how old is Daryl Worley? Like 25, maybe? 26 it, at most? Yeah, and he's done. He's been bounced around for a couple teams due to poor play. He couldn't even hang on the Cowboys last year. Okay, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. Like, I like the young guys, but I'm not giving these kudos to Brian Price and what you got. You got, you know, AJ Parker in the Hall of Fame. Now, what are you going to tell me that Jacobs is going to be shut down at the slot? I mean. I, I love rookie potential more than anybody, but I also am not just giving away these these you know plays to these guys that are unproven. And yes, I already admitted Daryl Worley. Yeah, he has Bunster on. He has some issues, but you go back to the the talent. I I can't remember if he was like a third fourth round pick. I think I want to say coming out of Virginia or somewhere like that. Like. I don't know. I just think there's something there on a team like this. Same thing as I say with the receivers. Like, all our receivers, you know, aren't starting or playing for other teams. But for this team, yeah, you're elevating like a Quintez and a Cleef Raymond as a 2-3 type player. That's where we're at right now. So, Daryl Worley, if he's right and come in there, he's probably more talented and maybe better than most of our other options, in my opinion. We'll see. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one, but it will be interesting to see how this shakes out overall because it's just another blow. Like we said, A.O. is the star back there. He's the steady veteran at only his third season. It is, it's an interesting time to be a Detroit Lions secondary member. Come on, Jack. You've got to be disappointed with what you've seen for number 24. Like he is. Oh, he's yes. never around the football when it's thrown his way. I saw him pull off on a lot of possible tackle opportunities. Like I I still think he's got length and ability, but he's not yeah. the player that I saw at Penn State. That's for sure. 24 and 25 will Harris both of them just look a little bit lost on the field and you you can't be lost in the secondary that's that that, that, you need to be on a war path you need to know what you're doing back there it's a lot of uh a, a lot of scrambling shall we say 
what do you what do you think about Tracy Walker? He got credit for a sack, and then you know, in, in game one, he kind of had a couple plays down by the line of scrimmage. But did you like what you saw, or you still think he's a step and a half slow and kind of just he's got crazy length, but he never gets his hands on the ball or never really jumps off the page to me. Yeah, he he hasn't stood out in a negative way or a positive way, really, other than that sack. And that's not a good thing or well, sorry, no, that isn't a good thing. It's you you expect more at this point for a player that's gotten so much hype. And I can't say that I've hated how he's played so far, but I can't say I like it either. And when when that's what you're hanging your hat on is Tracy Walker was supposed to take this next step. It's it's disappointing, to say the least. And I know we got we got to get to the game review. We're also going to do a game preview here, talking about the Ravens game. But I want to bounce one off you too, like Jamar Jefferson not playing again. Like uh, we got we got the other Oquara brother, couple snaps. You got you know Derek Barnes not playing. You know, don't you think that it's they're getting the point that it's like, well, we got all these injuries. And we got these young players. We might as well just throw them out there and see what happens. Because this whole play it slow, wait to see, they got to earn it. Like that works on other teams. But the way this team is set up right now, it's more just like the fans and everybody wants to see these guys out there and let you them determine for us and the coaching staff, like, can this guy play? Should we keep him around? Or is this trial year and this year that we're going through right now? Just like, hey, yep, we've seen enough. Thank you. Yeah, like I, I, I like the trial by fire for a team like this. Like I wish we were seeing more out of Levi on Wuzurike, but I, at the same time, I get it. Like you brought in Michael Brockers, he's making all this money, so it's hard to get him snaps. Aleem McNeil, it's a little bit easier because he's just a big old nose tackle, but I, I would like to see more from the rookies. Yeah, I'm really hoping, you know, and again, it's two games in, so let's say games four through like eight you know, they all start getting more time being active. And then that back half of the season, like maybe we really see who these guys are as players and we see who can't play, you know, and I'm talking about the second, third, fourth year type players that are on this team where it's like, Hey, thanks for participating. We appreciate your effort and good luck in your future endeavors because we're going in a new direction, both free agency, the draft acquiring players like Brad Holmes is really going to have to kick it into high gear this off season. And that means getting rid of guys that even if they're marginal being like, yep, you're not good enough for what we're trying to build. You know, that's going to be part of this whole process. Yeah. It's a franchise in flux right now. And they're seeing who's going to be here for the long haul and who's going to be out the door a little bit quicker because again, there, it's a lot of people from the old regime still. I know they do have quite a bit of young rookie UDFA players, but it's a lot of talent from the old regime. We'll see who hangs around. Exactly. I stole a couple questions there, Jack. Steer us. So we, we probably got to get to our great sponsors, huh? And then uh, talk about this Packer game. Lots to talk about. Yeah, we will have a beautiful word from our lovely sponsors over at Play Action Pools because how can we not plug just some of our best friends in the industry? Exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our playactionpools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. So here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em at playactionpools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football, and whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got survivor pick them as well as cool sportsbook style concepts called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. And we are back and we are ready to talk some Lions Packers. So we already kind of hinted at it earlier. Tale of two halves in this one. First half, we talked about it. It was great. The two early touchdowns to TJ Hawkinson and Quintus Cephas. 
And then what happened in the second? Like, it it really hurt because as soon as the ball bounced off Jared Goff's hands and he fumbled that snap, I had a deep sinking feeling that it was over. Did you kind of feel that same way? Did did you know in your heart that that was ball game? Jack, you're, you're frustrating me again on the show. You're skipping by all the good parts. You're going to this part where you quit and knew that it was over. Like, that's not how I roll here on B-L-E-A-V and Lions. Now, I know we talked about the good parts, but again, I just want to focus on how good of a half this was for the team. Like, nobody gave the Lions a chance. Everybody was like, oh, they're going to lose by two, three touchdowns, never going to be close, and how dare they even do anything against the smug number 12 back there at quarterback. He can do no wrong. Well, he didn't do much in the first half um, because the Lions had the lead. We were going up and down the field on that defense. And, you know, I want to like hang my hat, be proud of that because that's the type of football that people should not only come to expect, but they need to know that this team didn't get blown out from start to finish. You know, they had a good half of football. Now, the play that did it for me, not like, oh, this is over or, oh, this is horrible. But if you really want to go back to a turning point, for me, it was early on in the third quarter. I had said they need to find a way to get a stop. They had just got a sack, I believe, from Michael Brockers. It was third and 12, deep in Packers territory. They they hike the ball to the, the pompous, arrogant quarterback, and he drops back, and we got crazy pressure coming his way to knock that stupid haircut right off his head. And he unleashes a 50-yard ball down the sideline. Our corners in great coverage this thing drops in just uh the perfect spot i mean i was so frustrated and amazed at the same time that he got away with this we get off the field there and they have to kick we flip the field i think this may be a whole different football game but that throw to bail them out way down the field that was a big uh turning point for me yeah it definitely was and as was that fourth down conversion where we, we can say this, Jared Goff does like Quintez Cephas a lot. He went to him in the clutch. He went to him when it was important. Unfortunately, he went to him on fourth down when he had two guys open on the other side. We won't talk about that, but Quintez Cephas <laughs> does seem to have emerged. Could he be the wide receiver one even ahead of Tyrell Williams when he comes back? No, I, I don't see that. I mean, <laughs> you know, Q to me is a guy that, he does need more snaps. Again, he's one of those guys mm-hmm. in that bucket of like, I need to see who he is as a player because you hear a lot of glowing reports out of practice. Oh, man, Quintez Sifa is scoring all these touchdowns, going up and getting the football. Nobody can guard him. That was the word coming out of camp last year. And then there was some buzz this year about what he was going to do. But he didn't see much run in the first game. And then he gets out there. He makes a few plays. So he's still an enigma to people. What is this guy? Is he a... Uh, a uh, nice, you know, wide receiver two on this team. Is he a wide receiver three, four, you know, on a mid-level team? And is he like a five on a good team? You know, that's kind of where I put this player. But I like the way he goes after the ball. I like some of his physicality. We all know he doesn't have top-end speed. But there's been a, quite a few football players that have kind of that mid- to low-end speed that he, not only if you can get open, but he's not a, a route runner as much as he's a, you throw it to me and I'm going to out physical and go get the ball for you. He did that in college at a pretty high level when I watched him. So I, I don't know, like Jared Goff did go to him, but I got a quick beef with Jared Goff. Like, I feel like he somewhat predetermines where he wants to go. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. these are my reads. This yeah. is what I was coached to do. And regardless of what else happens, he's already got the ball out. I mean, fourth and one, you did have other options, like you said, on the other side, as well as it's a tough throw. I mean, that's other hash. You know, it's an all or nothing type of throw. It wasn't a horrible spot, but he, the receiver barely got out of his break. He really wasn't that open. So why make that decision when you got two of your best playmakers on the other side running like jerk routes or option route that you could get into? So I just think that was one of those decisions where Goff said, hey, I decided I'm going to throw it to Q. I threw it to Q and he just really didn't get that separation I needed. And away we go. We turned the football over. So tough decision, tough play call. And I still like him going for it. But yeah, that hurt, too. And I I, want to go back to what you said about Goff locking in on his receivers. It really does feel like that's kind of his methodology is he predetermines where the ball's going and it's going there no matter what. And I think because of that, 
he's not pushing down the, the ball down the field much with success. So right now his 6.7 average depth of target through two games, 27th out of 34 quarterbacks. And he does have 11 throws of 20 plus down yards downfield. That's seventh. So he's seventh in deep ball throws, but he's only completed three of them. So I don't know if it's a timing issue with the receivers. I don't know if it's a, he's locked it in and the guy doesn't get separation or maybe it just comes with time. Maybe they just need to develop this chemistry. I don't know what it is, but I think that's something that needs to be fixed because this deep ball just hasn't been there. So here's my take on that. There's a couple things. One, like some of the predetermined stuff can be a positive because the last thing you Absolutely. want is a quarterback there holding the ball and sort of not knowing where to go. I, I like quarterbacks that get it out of their hands quick. Stafford kind of made a living on that to some degree where when the Reverend Jim Caldwell got in here, I mean, that ball was coming out real quick, you know, little completions, <laughs> not turning, not turning the football over. That's kind of what he built it on. Good, good yeah. old Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, yeah, there you go. JBC, baby. But, uh, you know, it's not a bad thing if you know where to go, the guy's open, you put it on him. And that's the thing I've liked about Jared Goff is let's say it's a throw to TJ Hawkinson. Like if he gets quick separation and Jared Goff has him as number one target, there's nothing wrong with getting the ball right on his chest and letting him turn up field. Something I felt Stafford was a little bit weak at. It was always down at their feet. They had to dive, jump up in the air. Jared Goff has seemed to put the ball on people quickly, and that's how you get those yak yards, which I think they had a lot of in in the San Francisco game as well, um, being able to catch and run, which is a good thing. Now, you threw out some stats there about his downfield, some of which confused me because it was like, hey, he's 27th, he's not good, but then he has the most throws, but they're not complete. So it's two games. I feel like it's a mixed bag. It's not like he has no downfield throws. You, you detailed it, 11 of 20 plus. So the ball's going there. It's just not timed up yet. And if he had like two throws of over 20 and all these dink dunks as people are painting him as, that might be more of a problem. He just, now he hasn't hit them, but we'd like to see a little bit more, uh, you know, designed and, and take their shots. But I love the play action game too. I'm not going to get a big tangent, but if they get that run game going and then show the ball and then let him throw it either short or long down the field, I think that's going to be their big weapon mid season. Yeah, I completely agree with that, especially because we got a hit on the offensive line and this play action game. So it kind of feels like there's two stories to this offensive line. We've got them, them in pass protection it's not so great. Like Sewell, Sewell, sorry. I, I know I got my Canadian accent. I'm trying to work on that. Sewell looks great at left tackle, still another solid game. But then in the run game, we've got Matt Nelson giving up two hits and two hurries and Jonah Jackson giving up a hit and four hurries. So that kind of hurts your ability to throw deep as well. But then in the run game, they're absolutely moving people. They're looking real good. The running backs are gaining yards before contact. They're gaining yards after contact. So is this a kind of a story of the offensive line just needs to continue to gel? They're going to get better as the season goes along, especially when Taylor Decker comes back. Is that when this offense really starts to click when they have the, the offensive line to do these deep throws and to bully people in the run game? Yeah, I think it's going to be real interesting to see how it pans out because the Lions have never been the bully in the run game. You know, even when they've invested highly there, these guys have been more pass blocking type football players. So, you know, you, you say they've been good in the run game. I've liked some of the runs up the middle and some of the, the, just the seams that we've seen. I mean, I think there was a couple plays even in this Monday night game where it's like, man, I could have ran through there. It was so open, um, you know, between swag and swift doing their thing, which is nice. Um, I still don't know that those guys have a, a bully mentality, you know, other than maybe Penny Sewell, who I think has some nasty in him. You know, Frank Regnow is getting a little bit more of that, but he's been more of a technician, in my opinion. Taylor Decker, same thing, more of a technique-type player, not a blow-you-off-the-football type of left tackle. So when Taylor Decker comes back, I'd expect them to be more solid in both phases, but not like, oh, man, now we're just going to run you over type of offensive line. As well as I'm trying to figure out the run game because, I like what Jamal Williams has done, but I don't know that I want to lean on him because I keep yelling at my TV saying, can I get DeAndre Swift out there more and get him more ways to get the football than Mm -hmm. run up the middle or little toss play or whatever they've been running with him? I think you could get a lot more creative in both the run and the pass game. And I think that if you don't utilize DeAndre Swift in the pass game, 
at a high level, you're missing out on what this guy can do because he he's a Kamara type. He's a type of player where yes, it may say running back, but if you're going to use him just as that, you're you're totally missing the boat with this guy. So I know he's had a good volume of catches, but I would be much more creative with getting him in space, getting him the ball, and then letting him do what he does, which is make people miss, get up the field, and find a way to get in the end zone. So. I'm excited about the run game, but I'm much more excited about getting the full group back, getting Nelson back to the bench, as you said, and getting getting finding our groove between run pass sets as well as finding that mix of these running backs. I think you could lean on them, but you got to divvy it out properly if you're going to do so. Well, and some good news coming out today. There's a couple layers to DeAndre Swift. So for starters, he was limited Wednesday in practice. However, That kind of seems like it's going to be a season-long issue, and that's okay. We saw last year, A.J. Brown, he didn't practice on Wednesday once for the entire season, and he made a Pro Bowl. Like Sometimes when you have a high-quality player that just has suffered a a kind of a minor injury that nags all season, sometimes they need that day off, and that's okay. What really excited me, though, is Dan Campbell's talking about DeAndre Swift really needs more targets. He needs to be more involved and more creatively involved in the passing game, which is great news because he leads all running backs and targets so far through two games. Like you said, it's not creative enough. And so to hear Dan Campbell recognize like, yeah, we've done a lot of this and it's working well. We need to do more of it. That excites me. And it kind of brings us to our next topic because Aaron Jones looks like the lion's killer. He's kind of hurt them on multiple occasions. He's just blown by Jamie Collins, Alex Anzalone, Will Harris, safeties. He just blew by everyone, scored four touchdowns. And so if we can see DeAndre Swift used more like Aaron Jones, used more like Alvin Kamara, that's a big win from us. But how do we feel with that four touchdown game given up to Aaron Jones? That, 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 that hurt my pride a little bit. Jack, exclusive audio on the show. You ready? Uh, I am always ready for exclusive audio. Coming from our head coach, Dan Campbell. This is both his feelings on Aaron Jones, what he did to the Lions, and your point about the Lions just not using DeAndre Swizzle properly. You've had enough of that (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We have had enough of Aaron Jones killing the Lions, putting his stupid shades on, standing by El Padre, Packer or Senior Head Cheese or whatever his name was. Got a whole bunch of pub on the thing. Nobody cares, right? Aaron Jones is a guy that's made a living off the Detroit Lions. He's a He's a goof of a football player, if you ask me, when it comes to him, you know, some of the things he does on the sidelines or the way that he plays. I don't know how he keeps putting up numbers because this is a guy that I never draft in fantasy football ever, partly because he plays in the Packers and partly just because I feel like he's not as good as he he's ended up being the last few years. And I'm just waiting for him to take that nosedive as a player. So I see Swift as a much more silky, shifty, electric athlete more so than Aaron Jones, but like you say, the Lions just need to find that sweet spot of using them. And Jack, I got to call you out on another thing, my man. If you're going to talk about DeAndre Swift, I mean, I deemed him Swizzle long ago when he first started playing. You know, he's got Swift and swag. The t-shirts are already should be printed, but if you're going to talk about him, you might as well refer to him as Dan Campbell would. Do you know what this is? You know, his government is from Dan Campbell. I have no idea. Swifty. He said he's got to get Swifty more touches. I got to get Swifty more in the ball game. I was encouraged by Swifty. So I don't know if I, I like it. That. It sounds kind of like a hockey thing where you just throw Y at the end of everything yeah. and call everybody by that name. But I mean, Dan Campbell's calling him Swifty. I'm calling him Swizzle. But what I really want to call him is a top 10 running back. And to do that, we got to get him you know, out against linebackers, corners, whoever, and just let him go to work. Yeah, I, I think I missed that nickname because I, I, I don't think I like it very much. I think I mentally skipped over it on purpose <laughs> because of it, but it, maybe it'll grow up, grow in time. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We, we can all agree that the talent is there. We'll workshop the nickname a little bit, uh, a little bit more, but what we don't, we, one of the big things <laughs> that I noticed this past week Maybe we struggled with Aaron Jones containing him, but the D line was much improved this week. Like Romeo Aquara, he leads the team with six pressures. He looked really good. He had four pressures in the first game. That's an improvement for this one. And then kind of Michael Brockers, he comes up with the third sack of the day. 
Nick Williams, a sack in a hurry. Charles Harris has a sack in a hurry as well. Like we finally got to see multiple players on this defensive line putting the heat on Aaron Rodgers, much different from last week because the week before it was a choir with four pressures. Once again, that guy's looked really good this year. And then singles from Harris and Williams on the line. No one else really did a whole lot in terms of pressure. So it was nice to see the juices flowing just a little bit. That's what this Detroit defense is supposed to be built off of is the defensive line. So I'm glad you bring the numbers because that's not what I felt at all watching the Monday night game. I didn't, I didn't feel like we got, you know, that type of pressures. I didn't feel, oh, man, Romeo Quara played real well. I think it was the first half. I I think it was the first half, and then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they had some crazy run stat where they only gave up, like, you know, three yards of carry and running. That seemed odd, too, when the opposing running back finds his way in the end zone four-plus times. So it's, like, a very odd football game from that perspective. But, I mean, I like the numbers of get, that you're given with pressures, but I'm worried about sacks. I'm worried about turnovers. I think that we got some highly paid guys up front that people want to see dynamic production from. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm pointing at you, Trey Flowers. I'm also pointing at you, Romeo. So we need to see quarterbacks going down. I did love the hit by Michael Brockers when he just got a clean shot on the ridiculous hairdo of Aaron Rodgers and just put him in the ground. I was hoping he'd come up lame with some shoulder or something. But, I mean, we obviously love seeing sacks and turnovers, but pressures to me are sometimes an empty stat. Um, they are going to have to find ways to not only push the pocket but close it down. And I was on my other podcast, the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, which drops Wednesdays and Fridays, and I was like, I did a little recap of the defense where people just are hating down all. I was like, you know, we take off a few of these players. We add a few free agents and draft picks. I still have really high hopes for Levi and Aleem in the inside. You're going to be able to cheer up your corners when, when you get healthy and add a body or two. And then you got to get a nasty dog on the back end at safety. So I think the pressure needs to be better, but I, I don't think people need to flip out about this defense because it's growing. You just have to figure out who your key guys are and keep an eye on them. And for me, it's Aleem, Romeo, you know, guys like that up front that I'm going to be counting on to do things week in, week out. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm looking for as well. It's just it was better than last week, and I, that was promising, I felt anyways. And so kind of the big question coming out of this game before we get into our next one is, What does Dan Campbell need to do differently going forward? So he is still super aggressive on the fourth down calls. I love that personally. I am all about going for it on fourth and short. But the problem is a week after coming out flat in the first half and kind of rallying in the second, we now see the Lions come out strong, come out super fired up, ready to go, and then kind of simmer down in the second half. So is it an energy type of thing? Like what what needs to happen to make sure that we get four full quarters from Dan Campbell's football team? I think, again, I hate to keep going back to this, but I think it's quite a bit of overreaction. You know, I, I've learned by being a, a diehard Lions fan that, you know, the the real diehards or even the haters of the Lions, they, they just think they should win every game. They should make every proper call. Everything should go perfectly. And that's not how it goes in the NFL or any sport for that matter. So people freaking out about, oh, you let 20 seconds go off the clock. How you should fire this man. No, that was actually pretty decent at the end of the half by slow playing it and taking a few shots, the end zone, getting a field goal as time expired. That's Overall, a good play. You can nitpick it if you want. Dan Campbell going for it on fourth downs. How many times you turn on Sports Talk Radio or or throw on a pod and hear people talk about, come on, go for it, show some moxie. Like, what are, what are we kicking for, punting the ball away? So he's shown that already, and people want to say, if you run it and don't get it, oh, you should have thrown it. You throw it, you don't get it, oh, let's pound it up the middle. We would have got – like, I don't get into a ton of that other than – I like the aggressiveness, and one thing I like about Dan freaking Campbell is that he he's not like a... You have some guys in the league that I feel like are the greaseboard guys, where they're all about the X's and O's. I'm an outthink you. I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm a, you know offensive or defensive whiz. 
Dan Campbell seems like a really good football coach leader to me where when he answers questions not only is he honest but I feel like they're pretty savvy answers even though they're not going to blow you away with all this high words or long big vocabulary he's not going to go through all these roundabout ways to say something and I think that's going to pay off long term so I've been totally fine with what I've seen from Dan Campbell other than the scoreboard, and I think that he knew that going in that it's going to take a bit. I think that I'd like to see a little bit more um, creativity from, you know, on the defensive calls, offensive calls. You know, you're going to have to pull a few things out of the hat to get W's. So they've been pretty bland, in my opinion, from that perspective the first couple games. But his aggressiveness, some of the calls, the way that he's approached it, both before and after games in the media, as well as just with other coaches, it's like I I don't mind this guy as the leader of my football team. So overall, I've been happy. And all those people that want to overthink everything, things happen in a football game. You're never going to be perfect with every decision. It's always easy to look back after and say, I should have, would have, could have. Yeah, there's always those missed opportunities in the ball game. And there's always plays you regret. I don't think you should ever regret being aggressive and going for it on fourth down. So even when they come up short on that pass to Quintez Cephas, it was the right decision. And that's what we like to see. He's going to, Dan Campbell's going to trust in his football players. He's going to consult them on the decisions, much like the Lions opponent this weekend. We got John Harbaugh, who we saw the last week against Kansas City, fourth and short. Lamar, you want to go for it? He is consulting with his players, and he said after the game, yeah, it wasn't really Lamar's decision. I was going to go for it either way, but <laughs> he said, but but he's at least consulting his players, seeing how they feel about it, and that's kind of what I see in Dan Campbell as well. He's being aggressive, trusting his guys to make the plays for him, so it's going to be really interesting to see two Similar mindsets of coaches face off against each other, which now brings us to our next game and begs the number one question of the Detroit Lions matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. How do they contain Lamar Jackson and the (laughs) Ravens running game? Because it is pretty intimidating out there. It's funny you ask, because on my show, the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, I had Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated All Lions on, and we talked about um, previewing this game, and I said, Logan, first question, how do you stop Lamar Jackson? And, uh, you know, Great minds, eh? Yeah, to me, you know, we kind of just went through it, kind of like you hear on most things. Like, you know, he he's not some all-world passer, but they do have a really dynamic offense, meaning like the type of runs they, they diagnose or design, whatever you want to say, are, are very difficult to defend. They, they know how to get him out in space with a couple lead blockers, which the Lions don't do that well as far as not only diagnosing those type of plays, but being able to blow up blockers and get to the ball carrier. That, that scares me. You know, you always say, well, keep him in the pocket and make him throw. I mean, I think this guy can throw the football. I just think that... If you were able to make him throw more than run, that's going to do you, you know, give you a better chance. The other thing I said is the way you stop Lamar Jackson is you don't let Lamar Jackson get out there. You know, you're going to have to slow play your offense, in my opinion, and and do one of those games where you sort of take the air out of the football. And, you know, the, the Ravens have Lamar, a beat up running back, a good tight end and some speed receivers. So, you know, will the Lions be able to handle that or... You know, because of the injuries, is this a is this a better game? Are the Lions catching the Ravens coming off a big victory? Um, you know, at a decent time here in the season. Like we'll wait and see. It could go one of two ways. Really, you know, fun back and forth, or it could be another really tough game because the Ravens are no joke. No, they are certainly not a joke, especially after beating Kansas City. That was a great game, great team game overall. But I like what you said, like. They're going to have to slow play it, I think, both on offense and on defense. What I mean by that on defense is you're not going to be screaming off the edge just trying to get like with your hair, run with your hair on fire. You're, you're going to do more slow play on the pass rush, contain the pocket. Don't let him get outside of you because that's where the magic happens. That's when you're most in trouble. And so if the Lions don't get a ton of conventional pressure and a ton of sacks, I'll be okay with it if Lamar stays in the pocket and isn't beating him with these, uh, these rollout plays, that's when 
okay, yeah, yeah, that's this is when it's a problem. So that's how you slow play it on defense, and you just have to play fundamental football. I do worry about Jamie Collins being able to read those blockers and read that that mesh on the zone reads. It's going to be it, – it could get ugly for the linebackers and Jamie Collins, but defensive line is strong, so we'll see how that ends up holding up. And that kind of brings us to the next kind of what we were going to talk about is – the Lions offense that you said they're going to need to slow play them there, run the ball. Don't let Lamar get on the field. Keep it a low scoring game. My next question was going to be, can the Lions offense keep pace with the the Ravens offense? Because they've scored uh, 30 points or 36 points last week and scored 28 the week before. So they're a high scoring offense. Do the Lions need to score a lot of points to keep up or are they going to just kind of run the ball keep them off the field. How, 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 what the type of Detroit Lions offense are we going to see this week? Yeah, I, th- I think the Lions definitely need to, you know, try to win this game in the upper teens, low 20s, you know, muck it up, like you said, on defense, as well as, you know, have those long drives on offense. Now, the thing that worries me is I, I view Baltimore as when they would be fully healthy with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they're a smash-mouth team. Now I view them more as a a big play team. Like, I don't see them going down the field 15 plays to beat you. I see them, you know, potentially getting big chunk touchdowns, sort of like we saw San Francisco get a couple of that really put the Lions in a bad spot. So avoiding big plays, I mean, gosh, I'm going to say it every show regardless because it's the the biggest stat in football to me you have to find a way to create turnovers (laughs) I don't care how you do it if you win the turnover battle you usually win games so that Lamar has been known to be a little loose with the football both when running and throwing so maybe you can create something there maybe you can get the ball out from one of these younger receivers that they have smaller type receivers comes down to being physical and Gosh, that's so the Lions offense is going to have they're not going to try to outscore. They're going to try to almost like keep pace because you do not want the Ravens getting big touchdowns and then you having to turn it up because I talked to Logan, too. And we were like, I think the winning formula for the Lions is 20 to 30 rushes and and screens and then like 30 passes, 35. you know, under 35 passes, that's the mix that you're going to win with, not this 40, 50 throws and run it for a quarter and then have to abandon. That's not going to get it done. No, it really isn't, especially against this Ravens defensive line, which really looks rejuvenated after last year. They kind of struggled a little bit to create pressure. They're looking really strong right now, especially after putting the heat on Patrick Mahomes last week. So I think you're right. I think you have to protect Jared Goff. You want him playing like almost a New Orleans Saints type of offense. Lots of screens to DeAndre Swift. You take your shots every once in a while. It's it's sound fundamentals. You don't make mistakes. And that's how you beat a Baltimore Ravens type of team. They're, They're too good to try and just bully them. They're too good to try and just blow them out of the water. But the longer you hang in there, the more you keep pounding away and the closer you keep it for the entire game, that's where you take your advantage as the Detroit Lions, as a scrappy underdog team. And the Ravens are favored by eight points in this one. So how do we feel about that? And what are our predictions for this one? Well, you're, you always break down the line. You know, you probably went to betonline.ag and probably tried of to go to the pay window. Like that guy that was all over the news that bet some crazy parlay, need the Lions to win to win 700K, and then it came out that he was able to cut a deal with uh, BetMGM, I think it was, and got like 133, I think it was. So he still made out with some dough, which is uh, which is good to see. So I don't know what you got on the line for this game, Jack, but for me, I'm not too worried about these spreads and totals and all that. I don't, I don't really, uh, you know, I know Vegas knows what they're talking about, but I don't get too much into that. I just go off my instinct and what I think will happen. So again, trying to be LEAV in the Lions, I feel like this, uh, you know, if I got to put a prediction on it, I think it's going to be that 
that nasty where Lamar isn't going to have some crazy game like everybody thinks, you know, some of their other players are going to, you know, be hit or miss in this ball game. So if I had to put a number on that, I think it's going to be like 24-21. And again, I would love to just predict our lines every week and I'm hoping for victory. I will be there in person again for this week. I'm only uh, going to a couple games, but this will be another one. And, uh, I don't know. I could see the Ravens squeaking it out, but hopefully walking out of the stadium like, hell yeah, you know, our Lions fall hard, man. They played and they they kind of created some issues for that Ravens team. And man, something just came up a little bit short or the other way. Like maybe the Lions hang tight enough and maybe they are able to get a field goal win or a, a late touchdown to just eke it out. That's been known to happen as well. So, you know, we will see what happens, but I'd say 24-21-ish type of game is what I'm looking at. Also, I'm going to agree with you on the 24, but I think 24 is going to be on the losing team. It's going to come down to a field goal. And unfortunately, the Lions are going to lose on the last second boot of Justin Tucker, 27-24. But that means they do cover the spread in this scenario. And it's I'm expecting a good, strong performance. I'm expecting full four full quarters of ferocious Lions football. I think they're going to get after Lamar. I think they are going to have a couple turnovers in this one, and they're going to keep it close. So be ready for TJ Hawkinson to score two touchdowns in this one. Oh, man, I, I like you, Jack. Uh, other than your, your Hawkinson, that needs a little work. And it goes yeah, something that, like that this. Yeah, that was weak. I was hoping you wouldn't call me out on it. <laughs> it goes a little something like this, my man. TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> That's how you get Dang. it done. But uh, like you say, hopefully uh, he can keep putting it together. Um, Swifty, I know you don't like that, but Dan Campbell does, so we'll go with that. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to see a good ball game. I know people are already getting real sour, but, hey, that's why you listen to this show because we B-L-E-A-V in the Lions. Jack, fun show. You did great uh, dishing out the questions. You had stats in your back pocket, as you always do. We made it through the show. You had no power for a while. Then you came back. We got the show done. I think we we talked about a lot of good football here. So another good one, man. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You know, it's just an honor to get to talk to you each and every week about (laughs) our lovely, lovely Lions. It's just, thank you so much for having me. You can find me everywhere at Javna87, Twitter and Instagram, and you can find my work over at importantnonsense.com. And you can catch me every week here, B-L-E-A-V-ing, believing in the Lions. Definitely. Give Jack a follow. He's putting out crazy stuff. I'm retweeting his nonsense show. He's got some fantasy football, which again, one of these days, me and him will go head up and he'll know who the real fantasy football star (laughs) is here on the show. Um, But we just love ball. We love talking it. And uh, everybody, that's all we got for this week. Check us next week right here on Believe. B-L-E-A-V in lines. Take care, everybody. We're out. I believe, I believe, I believe. Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.